Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 4. You don't have one? Just raise your hand. If you forgot to, we'll bring you one. If you don't own one, you can make this one yours. Um, We have been going, preparing for Lent, going through the book of Matthew. But we haven't been going very fast, have we? Because there's 28 chapters and we're in chapter 4. But that's because we're talking about preparation. So how Jesus was either preparing himself or preparing others for life, right? For ministry, for life, because life is ministry. Life, ministry is just a fancy word for serving, for giving your life away to others. So we get to this point. He's already been, um, he's uh, been baptized. He has gone into the desert. And then he shows up. And the, this is his first words of ministry, his first words of teaching, preaching, of, of verbally caring for others in a public manner. Because he'd been doing his whole life, but this is his public thing. So it's kind of a big deal. Let's see what he says, right? So this is the first thing he says. Not prepared to be wrong, but kind of. He says this. Wow, it's kind of like, goes off both screens, doesn't it? All right, well, anyways, from that time, so this is the moment, right? This is the moment. He's just been baptized. He comes out of the desert. He walks out. His first public words are, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah, that'll actually make it worse. If you go closer, it makes it smaller. (laughs) Wow, that's fancy. Then you have to change it all again in a little bit, but you're good at that stuff. You're very technical, Rob. Yeah, yeah, totally. Going from zero to 0.1. So from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, we talked about this before. When you hear that word repent, when we hear that in English, we think, oh, I need to feel sorry and bad about what I've done. We miss it. This is actually, we, we talk a lot about the, the Greek word, which is metanoia, which means to change your mind. But Jesus, he's a Hebrew. And so this word has Hebrew connotations to it. It came from a Hebrew word for him. So when he says repent, he's taking it from a whole nother word. And that word means this. It means to turn away from your sins and do something different. Sins is this fancy word that we think we know what it means, but we don't really know what it means. What it means, it means turn away from doing what you are doing wrong and do what is right. So when he says from that time, Jesus began to preach and say repent, he's saying Basically, he's saying this, turn away from being wrong and start aiming for what is right. That doesn't mean, hey, you need to do everything right. It means aim, move in that direction. So you're turning away from what is wrong and turning towards what's right. Now, think about that. Jesus is walking up to everybody and going, basically, you're wrong. Whoever likes to hear that? Does anybody like to hear you're wrong? In fact, I was thinking about that yesterday. When was the last time someone walked up to you or you saw someone walk up to someone else and say, you are completely wrong? And they're like, oh, really? I am? I had no idea. How, how did that happen? No, 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 because all of our defenses go up, you know? Some people do it differently, you know, passive aggressors. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And you're thinking it. And then, of course, there's people like me like, what? You know, you, you start taking steps towards them. I don't know what that means. Like, am I going to fight them? Yeah, I'm 5'9", 165. Let's go. I'm not wrong. But we hate to be told we're wrong, don't we? From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, you're 
wrong, turn towards what is right. Think about that. I, in my family, I come from a long line of people. I mean, generationally, that do not say they're sorry. In fact, I come from a long generation of grumpy old men. My granddad was a really grumpy, mean man. I mean, it's just the reality. He was. I don't... If I saw him smile, it, no, in the back you won't be able to see this, but it was one of these kind of smiles. That was the smile. Never saw the dude's teeth. My whole life till he passed away, never saw it. My great-granddad, he had Alzheimer's. He was grumpy. I don't know if that was grumpy from the Alzheimer's or what, but he was grumpy. Supposedly, he was the smiley one. So they would say, oh, I think you're from great-granddad. Because I'm still... Well, we'll get to that in a second. So then there's my dad. You've heard me much grumpy old man. And I've never, never in my life ever heard my dad say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Never heard my great-granddad say that either. Because generationally, we just don't do that. And so I'm starting to see, and they're grumpy men. And now I'm starting to see myself. I'm turning into the grumpy old man. I'm 44. I know I look 22, but I'm 44. (laughs) And I'm seeing it happen, and I'm like, oh, no, it's happening. I'm turning into the grumpy old man who thinks I'm always right, and things have to be this way and that way. And it, it's something with age. Think about it, kids. Do you ever hear kids re- approach that way? They are more moldable. They're more open to saying, really? What? Huh? I'm wrong? What I do? But you get to a certain age, you're like, I'm right. Because if you weren't right, you wouldn't be doing it, Right? If you were wrong, you would change what you're doing. But we all get stuck into our routines and the way we do things. And then we must be right. And so we get in this habit of not saying we're wrong. Let's go back to what Jesus said. From that time, Jesus began to preach. And I'm going to do my translation right here. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Admit you are wrong. Change your ways. For the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is just a fancy way. Kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, here's a um, here's next level teaching here. The reason they said kingdom of heaven and then there's kingdom of God, they're not different. But the Jewish people did not want to say the name of God. yod Hey, well, I don't want to spell it out for you, but they wouldn't want to say the name of God, so they say kingdom of heaven, meaning the same thing. So it's the same thing, the kingdom of God, meaning this is the way the kingdom, the city, the, inter- the way we interact, the way we should be as a people is the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying, admit you're wrong, be prepared to admit you're wrong, change your ways, because this is the way things are supposed to be. And I look at my life, and I've I've decided this, and and I it's been so freeing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But just be prepared to admit that you're wrong. Because if you're gonna follow Jesus, or if you just even if you're like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that yet. The teachings of Jesus, it's the way life is supposed to be. So even if you're not completely sure what you think about him, understand this. If you admit you're wrong, get prepared, get ready. Not like, mm, I might admit I'm wrong sometime, but just be prepared. Life is so much better. It's so much healthier. Because the reality is you're going to be wrong a lot. So don't be surprised when it happens. Don't feel like you need to defend yourself. You'll start to move gen- generally slowly towards laughing about it we'll get to that hopefully later too okay so let's look at um let's look at jesus here because he says this in matthew 4 and i didn't know how to do this um usually i i don't follow the notes but there were so many scriptures here 
Because I wanted so badly to show you what Jesus is talking about here. Because from chapter 4 through chapter 18 and then beyond, basically he's just telling us, you're wrong here, do this. You're wrong here, do this. You're wrong here, do this. Not the nicest thing you want to hear, right? Politically correct. Hey, you're wrong. But he says it in a way where they trust his authority. And he hits so many different subjects. So when we talk about being prepared to admit you're wrong, like be ready for it. Like just be thinking that way. Like on what? What topics? What subjects? Like what do you mean? And I have so many here. Look at this. So I was going to put them up as slides. That would have worn Jeff's fingers out. It would have been 30 slides or so. So I'm going to go rapid pace here. And I'm not going to read all the scriptures because it'll wear you out. But I'll read some of them and I'll highlight some things he says. So bear with me. You've probably never seen me hold the paper here. But it's probably for your good that I actually have notes for once. Okay. So right away, right after he says this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he goes into the Beatitudes. We've studied that before, right? He's up on the hill. And he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Obviously, he's talking to men because he's talking about women. He says, you heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. I say that's wrong. If you're even thinking that, it's this. And then that, that phrase, you have heard it was said, he repeats that over and over again. And he hits dip, different subjects. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Basically, I'm saying that's wrong. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Always talks, and then he talks about this. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you would drink, or about your body, or what you'll wear. Why? Because that's wrong. Why do you worry about clothes? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. That's beautiful, isn't it, what he's saying? But if you look at the core of what he's saying, he's saying, look, you've been told this, that's wrong. This is the more full correctness of that. This is the fullness of it. Now, you would understand, when he's saying this, they're not like, oh, I think that's a great idea. I think I'll change my entire life structure. I'll turn everything upside down. But that's what he's saying. He hits all types of things. Talks about changing through the power of forgiveness in Matthew chapter 9. Again, in Matthew chapter 9, he does this. He walks in and he sees someone that's dead. Okay? He walks in, enters the synagogue leader's house. He saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes. And he said to everyone, go away. The girl's not dead, but asleep. They laugh at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. He raised her from the dead. You do understand that death was not God's original plan. That is not the right way. And in this particular case, God went in and took something that was wrong, and he made it right, the way it was supposed to be. I have the same questions you do. Why doesn't he do that all the time then? You'll have to ask him that later. Change your allegiances. Matthew chapter 10 says this, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves a son or a daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Okay, do you think they liked hearing that one? But he's saying, look, that's not the right way. This is, what it, this is the fullness of it. That's the wrong way. This is the right way. 
This is one of my favorite, Matthew chapter 11. You see, this is, all, this, is, this is his whole message. This is what he keeps doing over and over again. This is wrong. This is right. Matthew 11. He talks about injustice. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear. Because John the Baptist, his cousin, was like, okay, look, I told everybody you were the Messiah. Are you the Messiah? Like, I'm in jail right now. Is this going down? This isn't the way I thought it was going to be. So John is thinking, wait, is this guy not really the Messiah? Because I thought it was going to end up like this. And here I am in jail. This wasn't supposed to happen, right? He had a wrong perspective. Jesus says, tell John this. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Notice what's happening in all these situations. There's change. See, it's not just about admitting you're wrong. It's about bringing in change. And Jesus, when he's asked, are you the one? Are you the Messiah we've been waiting for? Are you the son of God that was promised? He says, look, look at all the changes that are happening. Because these define, this is the fingerprint. This is the aroma of the kingdom of God. Things go from being wrong to being right. Change our prejudices. Some of us think wrongly of other people and the way people should act, right? We all have opinions about how everybody should act. So Jesus addresses this. He goes, John came. He wasn't eating or drinking. And you guys say, oh, he has a demon. And then the Son of Man, me, Jesus, came eating and drinking. And they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. He's saying, look, you guys have already defined John. You've already defined me. And you don't like either one because it's not like you. Isn't that the definition of a grumpy old man? You should be doing it this way. You should be doing it this way. You should be doing it. it could be a grumpy old woman. I just happen to know more grumpy old men. I know a few grumpy old women, but mainly grumpy old men. But the same concept applies. Like it's supposed to be like me. I'm right. You're all wrong. That's why I'm grumpy because you're all doing things different than I do. And then he just goes on and on, changes our fear and doubt. He even allows someone to change his mind. Pretty cool, huh? Matthew 15. He changes our view of what we can accomplish. Oh, I could never do that. That's not possible. Matthew 14. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. All these people that don't have any food, they don't need to leave. I know we only have a few loaves and fishes, but you can do this. So pray and you provide food for them. We don't have enough. You can do this. You can do more than you know you can. Do this. He changes our view of what is clean and what is dirty. People that would not change are defined, these these Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's not that they were the leaders. It's that they were leaders that weren't open to change. They weren't open to admitting they were wrong. Matthew 15. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and they asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And then he went on to change that for them too. Changing by forgiving. And then this is my favorite one. And then I'll start landing the plane with this one. Matthew chapter 18, please. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because they're dudes. They compete. It's what we do. And he called the child to himself. And he set him before them. And then he said this. This is awesome. Truly I say to you, unless you are converted 
and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as his child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So what does it mean? What does it mean to become like a child again? He's telling these people, you want to be great? He's telling his disciples, the people that are closest to him, you want to be great? Then be converted. Now, we use that word a lot in religious circles. Are you going to try to convert me? Now, that's about the only time you usually hear that, except there's another place you hear it a lot. So if you've traveled, and I don't mean Mexico or South America or countries where they will, uh, some countries in South America where they use the American dollar. I mean, there's certain countries where you go to and you walk up with a $5 bill to buy, you know, a cup of coffee. They're going to laugh at you. We don't take that. And you're, what do I do? What do I do? Why? Because that is the wrong type of money. So like when you travel in Europe, it, it, when you see the planes land and they come into the airport, or if you see the train stop and they go from one country to another, everyone is literally moving as fast as they can where? To the exchange, to the bank. Because when you go there, then you've got to take your old money and you've got to change it to the new money. And you're looking for the best exchange rate because you've got to convert your wrong money into the right money. And so that's why I love the New King James Version said this. Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, go from saying, I'm right, moving towards saying, I'm prepared to be wrong. I'm like a child. I'm trying to learn life. I'm trying to see how things work. If you don't do that, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We're not talking about heaven. This isn't about being saved. This is about the fullness of the way life is supposed to be. Jesus said, I've come so that you can have life and have it to the full. So then, whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I use this translation a lot, uh, Eugene Peterson he takes the original language and he likes to tweak it. He's a, he's a writer. And so this is how he translated that. Instead of converting to become like a child, he says, return to square one and start over like children. Isn't that beautiful? That's basically what Jesus said back in Matthew chapter 4 when he started it. And he said, look, here it is. Start over. Change your mind. Turn from what is wrong and turn towards what is right. And this isn't a one-time deal. That's the important thing to say. It's not like, okay, it's a one-time deal. Become a Christian. Go. No, once you become a Christian, you've got to decide, all right, I'm going to blow it a lot because I'm a human being. And I'm going to get thinking a certain way or I'm going to get doing a certain thing and then I'm going to have to change. Because sometimes I get lost. And you just accept that fact. Instead of beating yourself up and thinking you're supposed to do something else, you're supposed to be something more, maybe just be okay with the reality of saying, I'm human. That's who I am. For me personally, there's a phrase, you've heard me say it over and over again. We've talked about it as a church. But for me personally, this, has been, this is like my life motto. This is my phrase that has given me so much freedom. I say this with my kids. Keaton, Zeke, Karis, you need to understand something about mommy and I as parents. We have no idea what we're doing. We're doing the best we can. I'll even sit with my kids and I'll take them to do something. I say, hey, you know, was I too harsh on this? Was I should have done that? What do you think? Of course. Not because I don't want to become a grumpy old man. It's not just that. But because I realize I don't know what I'm doing. It's the truth. 
I really don't know. And so when we talk about repenting and turning, what we're saying is be prepared, like expectant. It's going to happen. You're going to need to change the way that you see things. You're going to change what you do because you're going to make mistakes. You will be wrong. It's part of what we do. We shouldn't beat ourselves up about it. This isn't a bad thing. This should be a freeing thing. Like, huh. Like, I love those people. I had one friend. It was awesome. We were sitting there one night, and uh, we hit that really heavy topic, you know, about marriage, about affairs. And this one woman just started laughing. Him? Have an affair? And she just started laughing. She goes, he couldn't handle the stress of it. There's no way he could keep it secret. And that dude just started laughing. He goes, she's totally right. Just laughing at himself. Going, I, I, I'm so stressed out. I could never keep it secret. I, and it was like kind of a funny thing, but kind of a serious thing. But it was funny because the core of what I heard from one of my best friends is he's saying, look, dude, I'm a dork. He goes, I could never manage to be that deceptive. And he was not like saying, yeah, I'm good like that. He was like laughing at himself. Have you ever run into someone that's laughed at themselves? That just, like one of my best friends, I'm like, how do you handle when people just come up and yell at you? He's a pastor in the air. People come up and yell him, whatever. He was, he was out coaching a surf team once. And this lady goes, you're letting my, you hate my kid. And he's like, what, 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 what? I'm like, I would have been like, what were you yelling at me for? And he was like, what? Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, sometimes I just totally lose. I didn't see him. I wasn't trying to. I told, I'll do whatever I can. Like, how do you do that? Because he's prepared in his heart already to go, I don't know what I'm doing. So yeah, I'll listen. I'll listen. What do I need to do? When Jesus says, as Eugene Peterson would translate this, return to square one and start over like children. How good is that? How good is that to know that you don't have to have all the answers? How good is it to know that, yeah, you might be wrong, and it ain't that big of a deal? Just turn. This should be completely free. As a church, when we planted branches, someone who, uh, one of our friends, the Metzgers in Kauai, this was their advice to us, and I held on to it tightly. They said, when we planted our church, we wrote everything in pencil, meaning, God, what do you want us to do? Okay, and they'd write it in pencil. And we gave God the eraser. You know what you never give a kid when they're doing the homework? A pen. Ever. Right? But how many of you use pencils? No, I got the pen. I got this. Oh, dang it. White out. Don't even know how to use it. It's messy. Oh, they got new fancy white out. Pens. Why do we use pens? Why do we use pens in, in looking at our lives? And so they said they wrote everything in pencil and they gave God the eraser. Uh, ooh, I like that. And so we've held on to that. So here we are, preparing for two services. Because when we originally planted branches, we planted it um, with a launch team. And then we took eight months, because we knew we didn't know what we were doing. We're like, well, let's just be together and kind of figure out, and let, let the DNA of who we are and what we want to be, let that happen for eight months. And then we, like, opened the door, so to speak. So we moved in here and opened the door. So now we're going to go to two services, and we're doing that. Uh, the plan was to do that April 27th, Right? So we as a leadership team, you know, we've got to look like we've got our act together. We know what we're doing, so we've got this plan together. And you know what we've realized? Nobody's ready. People are freaking out. We've got people going, wait, what? I don't have enough time. We don't have enough people for the kids. What about the junior high? What about the high school? What about the music? What about the sound? We can't change things, because then if we change things, oh, yes, we can. Because we write everything in pencil. 
Because you need to know this about me as a pastor. You need to know this about us as a leadership team. We have no idea what we're doing. We are praying through this. And as we prayed about it, the leadership team this last week, they said, you know what? We need to do this. Let's push this back to September. We're just not ready. And we're not in a big hurry. God's never in a hurry. And let's do this right. We thought that four months would be plenty of time. We thought, you know what? In fact, I remember Kyle going, 16 weeks? That's plenty of time. Because Kyle gets things done in like four hours. Like, bam, bam, bam. But this is a, you know, this is a group of people. And so... We got together, we sat there, and we said, you know what? Tom, God seems like he's given us the eraser. So we're going to do this in September for a bunch of different reasons that I want to spend talking about right now. But bottom line is, we're okay with that. Because we're expecting that we're going to be wrong at times. We're expecting that we're going to make mistakes. That's how we need to approach life as individuals. That's how we need to approach it as a community. When people accuse us of things, or they get in our face, or when we maybe see that hint of, I should have handled that differently, don't run from it. Be expectant. This is part of what it means to follow Christ. When he said repent, it wasn't a a, a final word. Not, hey, do this one time. No, this, be be prepared to do this for the rest of your life. I'm just a dad right now. Wait till I'm a granddad. I'm going to blow it then too. It's not like, oh, bad kids. I'm going to have this down. No, I'm going to blow that as well. I'm going to mess up my finances. I'm going to do something with my neighbors. I'm going to mess up my marriage. I'm going to mess up being a pastor. Any, basically, any area of my life, I'm prepared that I'm going to make a mistake. And I need to be more and more moldable to admit that and let God get in there and change things. I need to let you guys speak into my life. And you need to let me speak into your life. And you need to speak into each other's life. Because that's how God does it. It's not just this hyper-spiritual thing where you just read the Bible and just pray and then you feel God telling you, hey, you need to deal with this, don't you? This is wrong. You need to change. A lot of times, about half the time, he's going to talk with you through someone else. So bottom line, you're set free. Jesus said he came to set the captives free. You know what I think one of the biggest things he's ever done for us is? Is to set us free from having to be right. Just expect that you're going to make mistakes. You're okay. Go back to being a child. Start over and look at life fresh. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm kind of excited to hear this song because I know that um, they're excited to share it. In fact, Jer sent me a text. You know, we go through the message and and he shared the song. And he sent the words, texted them over. And then right after he texted the words, he goes, yes, you're welcome. (laughs) So you're welcome. Could everyone stand and I'll pray for us? Father, uh, we say thank you to you for setting us free. The words that you said from the beginning and the words that you keep saying, change, turn towards what is right. Lord, we've been taught not to admit that, not not to admit that we don't know what we're doing, but we admit that to you and we want to grow in that. We want to grow and saying that to each other and to live a more flexible, moldable life. We want to start over, Lord. And we want you to be the one that leads us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.